I'm excited to welcome this week's Tierra Talk Show guests, the cast and director of Extra Terror Estrial Alien Encounter to the show, and I'll have them introduce themselves to you. Hi. Hi, everybody. My name is Elizabeth Taylor. Oh, uh, that's not true. That's a lie. I've already stopped lying, Kevin. I am Kathy <laughs> and I am uh, talking to you from New York City, best city in the world. Hi. Kevin Pollack here, Motion Pictures, the Internet. I am uh, I am so happy to be here, and um, and I don't know what else I'm supposed to say at this point. Say I'm your favorite. Oh right, Kathy and Jimmy is the reason I said yes to this project. Oh, that's so nice, even though it's a lie. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Jerry Reese here, frequent visitor to uh, Tammy's wonderful talk show. <laughs> Welcome back, Jerry. Welcome, Kathy and Kevin. It's so nice we we got this together. I'm so glad you guys all joined in for some fun because Alien and Encounter has like this um, huge fa- fan base, which I'm not surprised it does. But kind of the history behind it is it's a very very dark attraction for Magic Kingdom. So I wanted to hear first off, Kathy and Kevin, how did you guys jump in or hear about this project originally before maybe auditioning or being selected by Jerry and the crew? Uh, Kathy, you go first, but I can't imagine auditioning for this. Go ahead. (laughs) How well do you wear green paint? I concur. Um, I got a call. I I have a huge history with Disney. It it wasn't um, on purpose. But it just was kismet that I would say over half of the project I've done have been Disney. So I got a call. I believe it, it might have been from Jeffrey Katzenberg, one of those um, heads of state, and said, do you want to be a ride at Disney? And I said, are you freaking kidding me? You know, when I was growing up, we didn't. our family didn't have a lot of dough. So the only vacations we ever took ever were ones we could all hop in the Buick <laughs> and, go, and drive to. And it was Disney. So um, anyway, to be a ride uh, to, at Disney World was an absolute yes from me. My turn. Um, I I uh, got a call just from a regular agent uh, who represented me. Um, and I had no history with Disney other than being a lifelong fan and uh, annual pass holder now forever. Um, until the until they just discontinued it. We'll talk about that for six hours, if you're willing. Um, and uh, yeah, my agent called and said, you, you've been invited to join um, this project that's a, a new attraction at Disney World. And um, yeah, I think also before he finished the sentence, I was nodding yes, which didn't work that well on a phone. So I eventually <laughs> said, said yes. Jerry, was that, Jerry, did you choose? Us? Did you, were you part yes, of that? I, well, yes, absolutely. And, and I had a, um, a wonderful casting director, Ronnie Eskel, who, you know, yeah. she cast Pulp Fiction and Reservoir Dogs and on and on and on. Um, and she had been my casting director several times, and I just adored her and trusted her to gather the best suspects. And she knew that I really wanted to get something that had staying power because this. You know these things while they're while they're sort of short in duration. You go in and, and it's it's much shorter than a feature typically. I and mean, we've directed 22 shows for the parks now, and most of them have a run of well over a decade, typically about 15 years. And so you want to have 
something where people not only can have the first blush of having the experience, but want to come back again and again and tell their friends. And the 15th time they see it, they have a great time. And so casting it well is key. And uh, so Ronnie was my best ally in collecting you two. And, and Kathy and Kevin, had you guys worked together prior to the attraction? I feel like he, Pepper, I call him Pepper. Pepper, I had we worked before, I certainly knew we were good friends because there was a gaggle of us in Los Angeles who uh, were and still are, although I'm in New York, um, game, game night people, like sycophant game players. So yeah. I know that we had a solid relationship from gaming, but had we been in anything together, Kevin? Uh, sadly, no, we, we yeah. had not and, um, haven't since, uh, well, that's even, because I refused. It was always my assumption. So thank you for yeah. confirming that. You're welcome. Uh-huh. <laughs> I think that's the, a the, sin the that you guys haven't done that again. <laughs> uh-huh. Yes, but we had known, we had known each other very well socially. So that was a delight. Yes. And Jerry, how did you explain the premise? Because again, this is a very top, you know, it was a very dark project that Michael Eisner was fully behind to add to the new Tomorrowland. Well, you know, we were, it's scary as hell, but hilarious. And I I cast everyone who had comedic chops. Um, So, you know, it was Kathy and Kevin and then Jeffrey Jones and Tim Curry. you know, I had had uh, Phil Hartman was in a draft of it. Uh, uh, Jim Jackman, who was a Groundlings improv guy, I had used his voice for the Brave Little Toaster. He plays the guy that gets eaten. So, I, you know, everything was about giving a fun smile to the scare. And it was really, a, all of us discussed it at Disney. It was a throwback to the, like the Tingler in the late 50s, where they would rig theaters with like things that would shock the audience members. And uh, they would promise that you would feel the shock and you'd come into the theater and, and they showed audience members screaming their heads off. And we thought, well, that's what it's about. It's not actually dramatic scare. It's like, really, let's have fun all being playfully terrified together. And so it was important to me to have the the comedic chemistry. And boy, Kathy and Kevin, you guys had such wonderful comedic chemistry together in, in the scenes that were there. And we also shot additional stuff with you to cover additional situations that might arise. And just every time the tension between the Dr. Femus, Kathy, or, you know, you're playing this character who's the scientist that knows how this teleportation technology works. And you know that mm-hmm. things are not quite ready for today. And Kevin, you're the, you were Spinlock, who's the right-hand man to the chairman, who is determined that you're gonna show off your wares for excess tech in this convention center and you're gonna sell something today. So the pressure's on and you're like bulldozer will to make sure that this keeps going and is on target and doesn't have even a pause. And Kathy's uh, like wariness about everything's gonna go wrong. And then it goes the most horribly wrong you could possibly imagine. Just that, and then when it does go wrong, Kevin, you're feeling guilty about it and her I told you so stuff, like all those layers which you're trying to sort of keep under wraps because it's supposed to be live. It was hilarious. It was great to see you be aware of the audience in a live broadcast and try to have your fights without letting them see. Uh, so it was just, it was great. And it was all about celebrating. It's fun to be scared together, knowing that it's safe and you're gonna go out shrieking. We began to hear 
Um, this was after the version I installed. It went through sort of a, a earlier period that I did not see. But once I went and, and tuned everything in the park and opened the version that I that I uh, verified that I condoned, um, it played super gangbusters, adrenaline pumped, and we began to get senior citizens approaching people that worked in the park to specifically tell them how much they liked the show. And that came back to my main producer for that draft of the show, uh, Rick Rothschild and I, and he, he shared that with me. He said, for some reason, the employees at Disney, they, they keep getting approached by senior citizens who say, I really loved Alien Encounter. And all <laughs> we could figure was that it gave them the, and if you go and listen to people's home videos of it, I, I did a link on our, uh, on our text chain uh, to one of those home videos. People, you, you just hear people screaming. It sounds like a roller coaster going over the highest peaks and, and dropping out from under them. It's just full out shrieks. And and yet it doesn't not rock you around. You're you're in an absolutely stationary seat and you're locked down as if, you know, we have shoulder things holding you down as if you were in a roller coaster because we didn't want people to go running around the theater once the alien was breathing down their necks. Uh, so it was really to hold you in place for safety. But you're strapped in and you don't move. So I think the senior citizens were like, great, you didn't give me whiplash. You didn't do anything that physically taxed me at all, but you gave me a thrill. And for some reason, enough to, for them to notice uh, as a demographic group came up and, and said, thanks for the, for the thrills. But it's true that it was shut down because it was simply too scary? For, I, I, think yeah. there was the, I think this was the expectation. If we had opened, and I just recently was involved with the... Uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy mission breakout thing, which is equally just, you know, it's uh, adrenaline pumping scares. Um, but that, you know, Tower of Terror and, and Sounds Dangerous and different things like that, which are just as scary, are playing not in the Magic Kingdom. They're playing at Disney MGM Studios and then the California Adventure Park and stuff. The, I, I think the expectation in the Magic Kingdom where this played was that you can just let your kids run and everything is G-rated. Everything is safe. And so families can kind of split up and you can run around and, and know that you're in a 100% safe zone. And this was not intended for little kids. It wasn't. And people know that. They don't take babies on Tower of Terror. They, they just, they don't. They know like, okay, this is a thrill ride. It's a roller coaster. You know, kids don't go on this. And we had the same age warning on this, but people ignored it. They're like, oh, we're in the Magic Kingdom. Go ahead, kids, go in there. <laughs> You're like, yeah. this is not, this is meant for a, a more adult audience. So I, I think if the same exact show that you guys helped us create was in Disney MGM Studios next to Tower of Terror, it would still be running. And they had said that they had put additional signs, like even after it officially, oh, yeah. officially opened, they put even more signs and asked the cast members to let families know this is not for kids, but still people would go in and then complain afterwards. So, you know, <laughs> what are they going to do? <laughs> you know, kudos to you for, um, I just realized, uh, casting a woman as the head scientist. I think that was yes. really uh yeah, thank you for that. I, I cool. grew up with a very smart mom. And so my, my model of what women are and should be in society has always been very high. And we and by the way, the screams uh, and, uh, and in a moment, I want to get back to how much time you guys spend in makeup and how you survived acting under all that foam. But I was just going to say did one we? last thing about the did, screams. Did we? Did we, though? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. But the Worst screams. practical uh, joke ever. Ever. Well, why don't we shift to that right away? I, I recall four and a half hours of makeup for you guys. 
in the morning. A little more. I, I actually had never had any sort of panic attack in my life mm -hmm. at that time. And how many years ago was that? So if I'm 64, was that 94, 1994? About 27? Okay. May 2. Okay. Yes. Okay. So I was in my 30s and I had worked in prosthetics a lot, but enough. Mm -hmm. And I remember when we were putting cement stuff on my face, what's the real name for it? The, uh, you know, the yeah. stuff they put to make the of your head. Oh, did um, the mold. Yeah, the, the, um, um, yes, I, I know what you mean. Yes, that word that we can't remember. And um, they were putting Something it on. Something like and plaster they, of Paris and definitely not exactly. Jerry Paris. Yeah. <laughs> plaster of Paris. And they put it on my face and they covered my eyes and I was okay. And then they put two straws up my nostrils yep. and then they mm -hmm. covered my mouth. And I thought, oh, something's not wrong in the country of my body. I just started having shakes and chills. My mind started going on LSD and I had never done LSD. And I was <laughs> freaking out. And so I, I waved my hands in front of my face like, uh-uh. And they go, oh, you need a break? I said, uh-uh. And they said, oh, <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you need some water? Uh-uh, uh-uh. So, do you want us to take it off? Uh-huh. The whole <laughs> taking them at least an hour to get that those strips on my face to make that mold. Yeah. And I feel so bad. It was the first time I realized that I I had um what's the name of the thing? Claustrophobia. Claustrophobia. And I can and realize also, I went I went through that. I, I did one of those just to know exactly what everyone's going through. I did a full the full uh, 45 minutes to an hour of being under there. So I, I relate. Straws it's crazy. They had the whole thing off, and they said, "What do you need?" And I said, "A diet coke." They gave me a diet coke. I walked around the building once and came back, took a deep breath, and they did it again. From that, that moment on, I was I, I I became a claustrophobic person. But I don't know what came first. Maybe I was claustrophobic before the cement on my face. <laughs> right. That. <day. laughs> I didn't but realize we had such such diverse uh, reactions because. I've insisted on doing having the four and a half hour process once a month for for skin cleansing, which I highly recommend. I I yeah I I can't get enough. Yeah no I swore. Should we get to the practical joke, which was the worst, therefore best that's ever been done to me? Sure. So along the lines, so folks understand this four and a half hour prosthetics and then it's probably another hour and a half to get it off at the end of the day at the end of the first day i said uh not only will i never do this again for any other job i'm not sure i can come back for day two it was um it was uh the opposite of fun and um and not at all why i got into the business of show and i thought nothing is worth this not even being in a disney ride for the rest of time which is the fantasy right um and then I believe, is that when you came in? It was at the end of day one you came in? No, it was the end of day two. You said you said day one was, no, we can't use it. You'll have to come back for a third day. Just when I thought it was over. I think that's how it went down, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was only two days, wasn't it? Yeah. No, it was I think three. Had, was it, wasn't it three? I think uh, we had uh, various needs, uh, May 2nd, 3rd, and 4th. Like it, it all happened inside of one calendar week, but I was switching people out uh, different days. So I, I'm not, I, I, I ha actually have the call sheets here. I have my director's notebook, but um, but I know for sure it started on May 2nd and went for several days at, at Raleigh Studios. But but yes, the uh, 
the, so, yeah, so the I practical joke. The practical last... joke only worked because because you did it and not Kathy. If Kathy had said it, of course, <laughs> it would have never worked. But because yeah. you were and continue clearly to be the most earnest, wonderful human being that ever lived, uh, yeah, you got me hook, line, and sinker. <laughs> did I and did I, I play it well? <laughs> it, well, I'm not going to just insist it was the best performance you'll ever give, but it had to have been. <laughs> well, I, remember, I, I felt so empathetic to you guys that you, you were under all of that. And that the worst thing I could imagine, well, I could imagine worse, but it, a terrible thing is having your hearing impeded while you're trying to perform. It's just the worst feeling. And I could, I was sure that underneath that foam, your ears were rather blocked. And I think you've, I think you've touched on it and I blocked the memory, but as I told people about it later, because I went through a, a similar prosthetics a hundred years later when I did mm -hmm. the whole the whole 10 yards, which doesn't quite work as a film, but mm -hmm. some of the most fun I've ever had acting in my life was playing this 80 year old Hungarian mobster, which took, <laughs> which also took four hours of makeup in the morning and an hour and a half right. at night. Um, but I, I, it covering the ears when I described it to people later for, I'm going to guess a minimum of 10 years before mm -hmm. I stopped, before I stopped <laughs> pulling strangers uh, aside on the sidewalk. Do you understand story? what I went through? I would yell at them. Um, it was covering the ears and not being and and living inside of that echo chamber. Um, that was by far the most disconcerting uh, uh, style experience of acting I have and will ever go through, for sure. I, I was amazed how well you guys focused through that and just really played the moment and played it with with zest and with great rapport between the two of you. But I could I could see oh I could see the hardship you were going through. You didn't get to the practical joke. You never told it to the people. Well, I was saying he came in and said you have to come back tomorrow. Just on the when we were wrapping out, whether it was two days, three days, whatever it was. Right. But Kathy and I were done, and it was the end of it. End of the day, we were done, done, done. And I, again, I can't describe. That was the most thrilling part of the entire experience. <laughs> that we were done and I would never have to go through this again. As fun as it was, exciting as it was, as, 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 as truly excited as I was to be a part of an attraction at Disney World, um, this was the most thrilling part, that it was done. And then our director, who is the most trustworthy human being that I'd ever met, came in with the with the saddest eyes and said i i'm i'm just horrified and humiliated and embarrassed and that i have to tell you guys day one is completely lost and ruined and we have to come back and shoot a full day again <laughs> reshoot day one and i I don't know if I got up out of the chair and started kicking things. I mean, did I, I was, did I admit it before you started strangling me? Oh, I, I, I didn't strangle you, but I definitely remember hitting inanimate objects. <laughs> and I, and you hit me as well. I absolutely, <laughs> I did not hit a person. I absolutely lost my mind and I wasn't kidding. <laughs> and I, I wasn't holding back either. I had an absolute psychotic break. You did. And then you, and then you did a slow burn. You looked at him and thought, well, that, kind, honest person couldn't possibly have done this trick. And then you did a slow burn where you turned your head. I think it took five full minutes <laughs> to my makeup chair. And you looked and you said, Jimmy. And I laughed so hard. But I remember that, Jerry, you came in and said, 
we have to reshoot today, get your makeup back on. I, I forget exactly which twist I used, but it was, since I, since I knew that you were going to be let down for, you know, like the relief I assumed would be tremendous after you found out it was a joke that I, I, I forget which one I ruse I used, uh, but, but I figured the good news after the horrible news would, uh, would give you an extra pleasure, but I'm, I'm, I'm sorry for any lasting scars. No, yeah, listen, I, for accommodating my uh, practical joke, I think I had, to... yeah, I had blackout rage. I, I couldn't possibly <laughs> remember whether it was that day's work or the day before, but maybe I'm doing a rewrite in my mind because if I may, it is more painful to have to redo a full <laughs> day's work that you've already completed and is behind you. Kathy, were you part of, uh, of, of uh, brainstorming that particular joke? I was it. I came to you. Remember? That's right. Said, that's right. We're the yes. one that put me. Yeah, no, well. you're the nice one. I came to you and I said, I, I, we're right. good friends and he has a great sense of humor, but, but he just almost finished his last bit of green off I, his face. Could I you walk in and say, we just saw a glitch in the film. I'm so sorry, you guys. Can we get you back right. into here? Man? That's right. That's right. It was you. That's right. Yes. Yes, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm sorry, Jerry. You may have done a rewrite in your mind over the years in telling yes. the story of your version. And he's never forgiven me to this day. There's a love. There's about a 90% love. Yep. We're socially friends. We play games together. Yep. Yep. I love his mate. But there's yep. also a part of his eyes that are still yeah. yellow on yeah. fire <laughs> when he well there's a lifelong love and it is only 90 percent true that is right <laughs> that is correct and the yellow in my eyes is still left over from the prosthetic but yeah did, did you get to keep any of the prosthetics at all or anything from the set i i wouldn't have if it were offered <laughs> i think it melts quickly the foam yeah. There was a, a bowl of Reese's peanut butter cups that I put in my purse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I now should we tell the story of the the wrap gift that I may or may not have got, but went on an auction recently sure. and bought and bought. Kathy, yes. did you get this this like crazy, beautiful paperweight? I don't remember. Maybe I don't remember. Yeah, I didn't remember either. It might have been a crew wrap gift. I don't I don't know. I think they felt they'd given us enough money and thought, why bother? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't know it existed. And Jerry actually has the ultimate version because apparently it came with some claw thing that holds it in place. Yes, the alien claw. Yeah. I want one. And then, I, and then of course, I'll sign it and sell it on eBay. Well, of course. <laughs> well, it's the... the uh, Yes, from the, the lucite cylinder and from the, it has a dark, dark base and then it transitions into a uh, transparent top half and from the side and the clear part, if you look in, it looks just like sparkling bits that, that are just uh, sort of look sort of magical. And as you rotate it around to look directly down the length of the cylinder, they form the words alien encounter. And, uh, and the one that they had given me as we wrapped the, the show finally, was held in the alien's claw uh, on a stand. So it, it actually sits being held by the claw all the time. It was so cool to see also the behind the scenes bloopers. That's actually how we got in touch. Somebody had tweeted it and I just retweeted it and tagged you both, Kevin and Kathy and, and Jerry, and you guys had seen it. And it was so interesting because these were takes where the camera was still rolling. Like Jerry's like, okay, go again, 
go again. And then there's like, you know, explosions happening in the background. Just really cool how it was all being, you know, filmed. <laughs> yeah, that's, it's it's kind of nice because at the beginning it has the the takes without any music or sound effects added or visual effects. It's just the raw dailies. And then the second section, as I recall, has um, the visual effects added. So you see more like what it looked like to the in the final version. And then I, I think it's the third version that has like the the bloopers and and you hear my voice off stage uh, going, you know, let's reset, go again. And um, it's it's really fun. And there's not, it, it, it's cool. We didn't do a lot of retakes. There's just a few blooper things that are are quite fun. And uh, no, but clearly, I'm, clearly, Kathy and I were so exceptional in our work that although <laughs> Jerry's directed 25 additional uh, attractions, we've not been invited back. <laughs> and ours was shut down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which I'm still convinced Jerry had a hand in. He just stepped in one day and said, "It's the one I'm not terribly proud of." Could we? <laughs> you know what? I, I, I just, just so you guys know, it, she, Tammy was talking about the fan base, and I've been really surprised that um, there was a, a whole new wave of fans of young people. And you know, I met actually when I was a couple of years ago in in the back at Imagineering, once again, a thousand times. Um, uh, one of the young people I was working with in her, like, probably late 20s, was one of the kids that went on it when they weren't supposed to, and uh, survived and loved it and had great memories of it. And there's this whole group, uh, including this kid, wonderful guy, a kid from Arizona. I say kid, I know he's probably 18 or 19 now. But he's got in touch several years ago, Caleb Cruzado, and he is in Arizona and and he's making scale model sets of Alien Encounter and he's collecting every bit of audio and video he can get from people's home movies and creating a multi-channel mix and everything. And there's tons of people that age that are just, just are approaching and past 20. So it's, you know, late teens into, into late twenties who are just totally obsessed with the show and they, they find every video they can they can get their hands on, and they're replicating yeah. stuff and recutting things, and it's become well, this whole thing. Listen, before we go any further, I should probably confess that I only agreed to do this because I wanted to pitch the idea that, Jerry, you build a touring set and Kathy and I <laughs> tour with the attraction around the world because I, I think people would line up around the block to, to yeah. face face their own fears. Uh, all over the world about, if given the opportunity what, what about a reboot i think it, i think people are less sensitive now because they're so scared to death from everything including just their netflix channel i think it would be so fun come well, on it's funny there's this whole uh, you know wave of, of support for something like that from from kids and young people i also want to say that uh one of the most embarrassing aspects of looking at this uh, footage and still photographs all these years later, 27 years, you said, 1994, um, is that I, I, in full makeup, there's a shot of us gathered around Jerry. Yes. And and myself in that photo, I am more handsome in that photo than in real life. <laughs> in, in full makeup and a, with a green gherkin head. Earlier drafts, which I found in my director's notebook, uh, actually the, the writer had called you, Kevin, uh, Spittlewort, mm. and uh, Kathy, you were Dr. Morthos. Wow. And, uh, I had uh, just on a whim 
I was going through some director's notes, rewrite things, and I, I just went, oh, I remember having a, a combination lock for my bike, and you'd spin this kind of cylindrical thing. I went, ah, spin lock, that's kind of a funny name. And then uh, I was thinking of just funny-sounding words, and I went, well, the femur bone is kind of funny. I think femus is kind of... So I just jotted those in the margins, and you were saved from spittlewort and morthos. And there's Kevin trying on his uh, costume early on. Hello. Uh, Polaroid I showed. showed Did we talk about the rest of the cast? We talked about that the host person that that talked to them as they were standing in line that welcomed them was Tyra Banks, right? Yes, and it was just before. Well, she played the, uh, you know, the alien spokesmodel to to talk about the wonders of excess technology. And what did Tim Curry Mm -hmm. do? I saw his name. Tim Curry was was the robot that did the demo. So first you saw the promo video with with Tyra hosting and then Chairman Clinch saying his piece. And then you walked into the next room and now instead of video, you're seeing physical things. So there's a audio animatronic robot that was very cool. Uh, his name was Sir uh, Simulated Intelligence Robotics. And he had this little animatronic creature named Skippy uh, voiced by Danny Mann. And he would actually do a little demonstration of teleportation right in front of your eyes and use some very cool illusions to make it look like he there's two tubes and he's enveloped in sort of the green vapor and disappears from one is reconstituted in the other. But as he's reconstituted, he's singed and smoking and complaining. And Tim Curry played the the pitch robot. So he was, I, I told him to think of himself as like a evangelical preacher of technology. And he just really ate it up, went to town. I'm wondering if like the Disney archives has anything else behind the scenes, even the molds of your faces. Because <laughs> I wonder if they, they've been keeping a lot of weird items in their, in their, uh, in their buildings. So I'm wondering if they have anything now. You know, I've got some Polaroids of the you know, the clay being added to the heads where I was asked to look at different cranial shapes to, to make choices. And, uh, oh, I was, was going to say about Tyra. Um, it was really fun. I, I had a storyboard artist I had worked with before, actually from way back on The Brave Little Toaster. He was uh, animated with me, Steve Moore. And he worked with me on the Robin Williams piece for the park um, as well, doing doing animation. And he he came up, well, he, he was doing some storyboards for me, and he came up with uh, the moment that Tyra Banks turns from looking straight on at you to the profile and you see for the first time that cranium, the, the arch of the alien cranium, which is, is a really fun reveal. Um, but it was cool that he, he uh, in his sketch, showed me the importance of like waiting for that moment to happen. So we, we did that with Tyra in the promotional uh, video that you see right up front. But uh, a lot of people don't know that it's not her uh, voice that she she was uh, she's so gifted with everything about presentation just dynamic as hell but but her voice was like a teenage teenage kid um and so i actually got someone in their late 30s to dub all her tracks to give it more gravitas and uh so it's uh it's tyra's wonderful physical presentation and this uh more mature actress's uh voice was wasn't it um, Lucille Ball that you got to dub her voice? <laughs> See how better uh, jokes land when your Wi-Fi doesn't interrupt? <laughs> yes, Lucille Ball. <laughs> Do you remember the, the opening? I, I'm wondering because originally they sometimes they would have opening days for certain attractions and they would invite the cast. 
and sometimes the crew to attend. But I did did this ever happen? Because I can't find anything if it did. I think they heard they got word how I had lost my good <laughs> on the practical joke and decided not to invite me. <laughs> you know, well, this was I'll just quickly hit this the chapter thing, Tammy, that, you know, when we went in in 1994 and we filmed together and had a great old time, my impulse because normally I'm a director that just follows things to the finish line, whatever it is. And I love the crazy transmedia thing of, of film and props in the room and all kinds of special effects, just everything working together to tell a story. But there was a pretty big group that had uh, built the, the architecture and prepared things in Florida and everything. And they kind of were as a big group, just running off to install what I had shot and were like, no, no, thanks. You're done. We don't need you anymore. And I was like, yeah, but you know, the story and it's like huge and there's a thousand things that can compete with what you're seeing. And, and that all has to be choreographed. And they're like, no, 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 we got it covered. And they ran off and installed our footage and did something and opened it. And I didn't even, I didn't even know what it was. And I, and I had warned them, they were like, well, then the room goes dark and they're going to know that the alien is this and that. And they'd explain all the things that the dark would mean. And I said, you know, they might just think somebody kicked a plug and the room, the room went dark. They might think the ride's broken. They might not know that it's a story point. And they're like, no, 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 we got it covered. And they ran off and did a thing. And then I got a call from Michael Eisner and Marty Sklar, who was a wonderful wizard at Imagineering that worked back in the Walt days. And they and Tom Fitzgerald, who was a wonderful uh, executive on it, that the three of them just said, Jer, go to Florida. You got to keep directing this thing. You got to you got to turn it into a show. It's like it's it's not a show yet. And so I loved this second chapter where it's like as I originally was dying to do, I was just invited to go and live there. And every single thing that happened, um, it was so fun to fine tune that. And I, I, I was given a wonderful uh, producer, Rick Rothschild, who I had, had worked with before, and he was great. The, the two of us went through and saw for the first time what had been installed. And it was already open to the public and, and playing. And Rick and I went through and watched the show one time with what it was. And we sat outside and made notes for about a half hour. And I, that was it. I mean, it took us six months to implement but everything we decided in that hour, that implemented was the show that finally played. Um, but it was so fun to sit and fine tune it with test audiences. And we had one, uh, you were, Tammy, you were talking about the screaming that happens in the dark when the faux blood falls. That, that was actually, uh, we learned something from a misfire that happened. We, we went and invited people into the show and, and it was so fun to get test audiences in because we were working on it during the, terrible heat and humidity and we'd have these people like yeah yeah i'll go in and do your testing whatever it is and they would sort of be drooping and they'd walk into the show and we would we we're air conditioned and we were exciting we get their adrenaline pumping and we would splash them with water and there were two times it was the blood and then the bug bits at the end which was just water um but by the time they left out they'd been adrenaline pumped and sprayed with water and air conditioned and they would leave like like reconstituted people, they'd be leaping and laughing and talking as they came out. And you'd look at the entrance and the exit and be like, this is like a people regenerator. It's amazing. Uh, but we were in the dark one time and our guy got eaten above us. And it was supposed to hit splatter on the whole audience at the same time in the dark. So his 
helmet cam is snuffed out when he's eaten and it goes dark and just a moment later, splat, it hits everyone. And it, well, it misfired. And Rick and I, my producer, are sitting in the dark with the guests and it doesn't hit us at all. It just hits the people on the other side of the room and they scream, which scares the crap out of everybody on our side of the room even more. Cause it's like, what happened to them? And then it accidentally splatted uh, like several seconds later on us. And then people screamed twice as loud because they were already anticipating something terrible is going to happen. And as soon as the lights came up, Rick and I look at each other and go, okay, that stays in. It's like, it's half of the room and then the other half of the room. So uh, a lot, a lot of fun stuff. This is the saddest part. I never got to see it. Kathy, did you? Oh, Pepper, I can't believe it. Can you guys hear me right now? Yes. Uh, Cutting in and out, but pretty good. All right, because sometimes I say the most profound, hilarious things and nothing's happening. Um, I went with my husband and my daughter. I think Samia was just just a couple years old. And um, I loved it. I was scared to death, even though I kind of knew what it would be like. I mean, the, the breathing on my neck with the wet breath of the monster <laughs> was like better than any sex I'd ever had. It, <laughs> it was so great and scary. I, I really enjoyed it. I, I really thought it was, and I also thought it was really brave of you guys to put such a scary ride right in the middle of Tomorrowland. And in every single seat, we had a tongue-licky thing that would come out and flick on the top of your head. So every single chair in the dark had that moment happen and people would just go nuts. And then just before the chomp, we would introduce where Dr. Femus comes on and makes noise to attract it away and stuff. We were we were discussing off air that they they changed it to Stitch when Lilo and Stitch came out and was huge success. So they changed the ride after yes. that time, 2003. And um, and my sister and I were like at a young age where we love Stitch. So instead of the breathing, it was the this horrible burrito burp that stitch would give you and we were there for like the first months it was open and the smell was so disgusting i can't describe it it. smellorama i I never went to the to the the twist in the story is that um disney liked working with me so much i actually got to be the voice of the burp and i can redo it right now please please please. ready yeah yes why why couldn't your wi-fi cut out then oh <laughs> the smell that really right right yeah I, I right on in both rides i don't know if people know that i got credit for the burp but i'm very proud of my work <laughs> and now we know it was why beautiful the sound was beautiful the smell Entertainment no association award well stitch is gone now no more stitch and it's an empty theater right now so hmm hmm what kind of show could they put in there? <laughs> one that's yeah, being clamored could. after by the young ones. <laughs> it would be now, nice to see a reboot. We don't have to get makeup or cement on our face because now you could just press the app that puts a flower behind your ear and puts makeup on you. That's virtually. right. Digital. Yes, digital makeup is digital. wonderful. Kevin's like, that's music to my ears. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the only music I'll hear from this day forward. Um, I, I'm afraid I've, I've only allotted... Uh, Till till twelve thirty here 
uh, West Coast time. I know and, uh, an hour has gone by quickly. Off. Yes, I, yeah. I just wanted to pre. I just wanted to thank all three of you for being a part of this and for celebrating Alien Encounter, even though it's been gone for twenty seven years. We miss it. But thank you guys so much for your time today. This was so much fun. <laughs> Thanks, Tammy. Thank you so much. I, it really was fun going down scary, scary memory lane. Yes, thank you. What a, what a pleasure. And um, I'll, I'll always be Pepper. Pepper! <laughs> Kevin, and, Kevin and Kathy, thank you so much. It was a joy working with you guys. Oh, thank you. The potential of excess technology and all of that. We certainly apologize for any inconvenience, but after all... It does take time to seize the future. Good point.